So Matthew chapter 10, uh, that's what I was about to say a few moments ago. When you, when you think about these, these ordinances that we've been given of baptism and the Lord's Supper, this comes to mind because they both are a confession. Uh, when we're baptized, that's kind of a one-time experience. Uh, though some of us may have been baptized more than once, depending on where we were baptized the first time. But that's kind of a one-time experience. But the Lord's Supper, we do that, you know, over and over again. Um, in fact, I'll throw this in here because I didn't uh, think about it until, again, until just now. But um, so Rebecca was talking to her mom, and Rebecca's like, great, here I am, I'm going to be in the sermon. Um, she was talking to her mom about, you know, Anna. And... Um, she says, wow, you know, to, to be young again and that experience of first coming, you know, to Christ. And to me, as I was listening to Teresa tell that to me, and I've been, you know, thinking upon baptism and the Lord's Supper, um, it, it, it made me think about the Lord's Supper in that regard, because really that is for us that experience I mean, I know that what she's describing is an initial coming to Christ, but, but you know, we, we, we're coming to Christ all the time, aren't we? Um, but here's this special commemoration, you know, in a sense, this special remembrance, this ordinance that, that God's given unto us of the Lord's Supper to remember. Um, it's one of the first things that Donnie said to me when, when they started coming. He says, that communion table is the same communion table we have. You know, it says the same thing. I don't know the same color, but it says the same thing. Um, but that's, it is, I mean, we're coming to Christ, and it's in remembrance of Him. It's in remembrance of what He's done for us, in remembrance of the grace that is ours in Christ. Um, but we'll get to that in the, in the second message. So Matthew chapter 10, verse number 32 says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. So again, me reading that verse of Scripture, the application of that, you know, is in this, these two ordinances. I mean, just the ordinances in and of themselves, they are a confession. A person who submits to water baptism. Uh, I've been listening to some messages this week on, you know, baptism and uh, went back and listened to one by someone that was kind of a, uh, a, a, a great influence upon me as an older preacher, me being a younger preacher at the time, um, Brother Conrad Merle. And he was, he was talking about uh, this, this whole uh, thought of, of, of baptism in the sense of, of what it pictured to him when he saw it for the first time. He said he'd been pastoring for a long time before he and, he, and of course he knew and understood some things about baptism, but there came a moment that it was, it was after, it was after um, a, a camp meeting. It was a family camp meeting that they'd had, and after a week-long you know, camp meeting, they had a baptismal service at the end of it. And he said it was, it was a glorious thing. He said they didn't have you know, a baptistry like we have here, they were surrounded by a pond, you know, or, or surrounding a pond, you know, and there was a deacon and the, and the pastor and, and a lady that was being baptized. And Brother Conrad said that the reality of baptism didn't really hit him. The Lord just kind of revealed something more in depth. Um, and Anna and I have been talking about this. I mean, how many times have we all, as Christians, 
And it's kind of Brother Conrad's experience here. How, much, how many times have we all as Christians, we've heard something preached? And maybe it's, you know, we used to have cassettes, right? And I can remember taking cassettes and listening to those cassettes and then 10 years later maybe listening to it again and hearing things that I didn't hear the first time and understanding things that I didn't understand the first time uh, or maybe understanding them in a greater depth than I understood them the first time. And that's, I was telling her, that's going to be your experience. You know, you're going to, to you know some things, but you're going to know them more. And that's, that's going to be an increase and an increase, isn't it, until the day that we see him. And when we see him, we shall be like him. And when we, we see him, we're going to know even as we are known. There's depths and realities that we're not going to experience here. But in heaven, there's going to be a greater depth uh, because we're going to be able to know in a perfect way that we cannot know, you know, here. Um, but let me, let me just, that was, this is something I was going to uh, mention later on in the, uh, in the message this morning on baptism. But um, let me just go and, and read this. Uh, he kind of prefaced this all. He was, he was talking about that, that the baptismal waters, you know, there's some people believe in baptismal regeneration, right? I mean, you go back there and you dunk somebody and they're saved. And I've told uh, Cheryl before, I said, if that were the case, the place that she works, we could take every one of those convicts and send them through, kind of like, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever seen cattle go through a bath. You know, they would go down into this and come back up the other side. If that saved people, we could just, we could, we could actually kidnap people and dunk them, you know, and change them. But that's, the grace isn't in the water, right? And so he was making this point. He says, he says, if baptism could wash away sins, then one sinner baptized in the Mississippi River would so pollute it that every living thing would be poisoned. You know, if, if the water itself was the thing that washed away, you know, our sins. So uh, we, we would have, would have a problem, wouldn't we? If, if that were a reality, we'd, you know, you, you get to probably deal with some EPA regulations, Heath, don't you? I mean, you kind of think about some of those things sometimes. I know we do sometimes. We run into people's, you know, older houses and they have, they have sheetrock that has asbestos. And now we've got to get it tested. And now we've got to have a remediation company come in and remove all that. And it's got to be disposed of a certain way. So if we were dunking people back here in this water and it washed away sins, we'd have to find a way to dispose of that because it would so pollute anything it touched, it would be a, a real issue. But, you know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Christ. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So he goes on and he's, he talks about what I'd started um, mentioning there, um, he had said that that he saw for the first time, you know, the the reality of what baptism, you know, truly was. Uh, after reading the the pastor's is about to perform the the baptism, and he reads the passage from Colossians two twelve. He says, "Buried with him in baptism." He said, "The pastor lowers, you know, the lady into the water until you know the water begins to cover her body." all the way up to her face and then she's she's completely immersed you know in the water and the water becomes you know still again he said and as she sank he says i watched the water cover her whole body until her face disappeared and the waters closed over her and became calm again he says in the short interval between him bringing her up he said i i saw it he said, the woman had disappeared. She was gone. I looked around. There was the pastor, the deacon um, who assisted the people, the water, but the woman was nowhere to be seen, you know, before she was brought back up. In that moment, the full impact, he said, of Colossians 3.3 3 hit me. 
for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. You know, I, I, had, I was getting my hair cut one time of all things, and the person who was cutting my hair during the course of the time that I'd you know, been going there, this person asked me, what is baptism? You know, what is, what is that all about? And I said, well, it's symbolic. It's, it's, it's a picture. It's a representation of what's happened to us. It's not, you know, because in most people's minds, this is something you do to be saved. I think people get that in their heads. Uh, but no, this is something that is done because you have been saved. You know, this is believer's baptism. Uh, it's not baptismal regeneration, right? So I was trying to explain to her, you know, that baptism represents this very thing. And what Brother Conrad goes on to talk about, he said, after they got back, and, and this applies to what we're, what we're saying here, he said, after they got back from that camp, he said they'd had a house built, and it was being built during the winter. And he said, before they got a chance to move in, it was surrounded by a lot of woods. He says, the rats moved in. You know, this is years and years ago. And he said, they tried everything. You know, they, they had, had put out, um, or they'd gotten cats, and they had, had plugged up holes, and they put out traps, and nothing really did it. So right before they went to this camp, they put out poison because they didn't want the kids getting into it. And so when they got back, they were met immediately with a musty, you know, sort of smell. If you ever smelled that smell before, it's... it's uh, um, I thought I had smelt it until we went to work at the insurance agency and there was a um, kennel right next door to us in the same building. They moved out in the middle of the night, I guess skipping out on their lease or whatever and left dog food and things in there and the rats ate on that until there was all that was gone. And then guess where they came? To our side. <laughs> and so they came killing those and they were up in the ceiling tiles and uh, it was just an awful smell. I mean, I, that was probably some of the worst conditions, I think, that I've gone to work in before. Um, you know, Heath probably says, you ought to come to work with me. <laughs> um, but anyway, they were met with this, this, this very musty smell. And he said, um, his wife looked at him and she said, you don't think? And he said, yeah, that's what it is. You know, the, the rats died. And so he said, we're just going to have to wait until it completely disintegrates. You know, they, they couldn't find it any, anywhere. But he said the smell became worse and worse and worse until finally it was localized. And it was under the floorboards in the bathroom. And so he takes the floorboards up and he gets a coat hanger and he reaches in there and fishes it out. And he said when he got it, it was a nauseating mess. He said he held it as far as the coat hanger in his arm, you know, would, would, would hold it from him. He took it out in the backyard, grabbed a shovel. He dug a hole, and he baptized the rat. He said, it hasn't been seen since, and nobody wants to see it. You know, so you know, here's this, this picture, isn't it, of, of baptism where you have, and Anna and I talked about this, you have the old Anna. Nobody wants to see that anymore. You know, and so you have that picture of that lady you know, going under the water. And that's, that's the old. And then you know, the, the symbolic picture that we have is this new life in Christ. And raised again, you know, in newness of life, you know. So here's the new Anna, you know. Um, so it's it's something that that's kind of stuck with me over the years. Where, you know, Brother Conrad said that, that when when he saw that, not that he hadn't seen baptisms before, you know, it was it was the Lord showing that to him, revealing that to him. But when he saw that, ye are dead, and your life is hid, you know, with Christ and God. Um, to him, that was that was the greatest impact um, 
upon his his uh, his life to that point about baptism, understanding what baptism, you know, was. So, you know, we we read that that passage though. Whoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. I mean, that's 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 a reality of what we're talking about in both of these ordinances that the Lord's left uh, unto us to to continue to perform. Um, you know, this if you think about it in the sense of this confession of what it is. I mean, here we're submitting ourselves to to um, to baptism that the Lord's you know called us unto. Uh, now, has everybody been able to be baptized? How about the thief on the cross? You know, he didn't have the opportunity to be baptized, but yet the Lord says today that you shall be with me in paradise. But if he had the opportunity, would he have submitted himself to water baptism? I'm sure he would have. Um, but you know, it, it is a confession. This this thing of baptism is a confession of our sin against a holy God and our need of His great salvation. You know that's what it is for us—a salvation which we've done nothing to merit. A salvation which is all of God's grace through faith, and that faith is a gift of God in itself. Um, a salvation we have by the operation and the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember Nicodemus. Um, you know, it's, you must be born again. Well, how is that possible? You know, how, how is that accomplished? Well, the, the, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and you hear it the sound thereof. But where it comes from, where it's going, you know, you, you don't know. Um, so we, we understand the, the power and the operation of the Spirit of God who brought us to a place to believe in and upon the Lord Jesus Christ um, as the only sufficient sacrifice for our sins. For it is by his atoning death on our behalf, whereby he bore our sins upon a shameful cross, that he satisfied the righteous demands and wrath of God against us, and has taken away our condemnation, where we can say in Romans, there is therefore now. Now. You know, Anna can say, there is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that, that, that believe in, in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. The condemnation's been gone. Uh, been taken away, it's gone. Uh, and we've been given in its place, what? A righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. Um, you, know, you think about these things, you think upon these things, and you think how, how wonderful, like Rebecca was made to comment, you know, how wonderful that is anew. You know, and, and, and to understand that for the first time, or for that to be a reality in your life for the first time, and, and for her to have ex- told, you know, come to me and says, Dad, the Lord save me, and for me to go to her room that night and say, Good night, daughter of the king. You know, so there's, there's a new reality. It's a newness of life um, whereby we've been given this perfect standing before God. Um, and, and, and some of these same things need to flood our minds as, as we're partaking of the Lord's Supper. I um, mean, because that's, as we come to the communion table, that's, those are some of the same realities, you know, that are ours, even as believers, that we remember, you know, what we once were. And that we didn't deserve the salvation that's been shown unto us. And, and that God has been so gracious and God has been so merciful uh, unto us to show us his great salvation um, but in baptism, we confess a good conscience towards God. You know, we, we, we submit ourselves to baptism and we're confessing a good conscience. You know, I now have a good conscience towards God. You know, before my conscience bothered me, you know, before I was under condemnation, you know, before I didn't have a sacrifice for my sins, perhaps. But now I have an answer of a good conscience, 
you know, before God. I've been justified in his sight through faith in Christ. You know, First Peter, if you want to turn over there, First Peter chapter 3 and, and verse number 21 kind of sums up some of these things. First Peter 3 and verse 21 Talking about baptism, Peter says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. And he, he, he puts something, there's something in parentheses here for us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. That's kind of like the water washing off sin and becoming polluted, right? Uh, but the answer, this is what I was saying, the answer of a good conscience. You know, I've been washed in the blood. You know, I'm saved through what Christ has done for me upon the cross. But it's an answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So it's a, it's a picture of death in a sense, and it's a picture of resurrection in another sense. Um, being buried with him in baptism and raised again, like we said, in newness of life. Um, if you want to turn to these passages with me, you're, you know, follow me along with, with me if you want. Uh, but Romans chapter 6 and verse number 4 is another place. Um, Romans 6 verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into what? Death. We're buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Then also Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse tw- uh, 12. Colossians 2 and verse number 12. My Bible's wanting to open to Romans. We've been in Romans so long. All right, Colossians 2, verse 12. I could be one of those, because I have so many Bibles. I could be one of those Brother Johnny was talking about. He said that the deacon said, anybody leaves their Bible, if it's here more than so, I forget what he said, what, two weeks or whatever. He said, they're being gathered up and sent off to the mission field. <laughs> well, I've got this one up here that I, that I leave to preach out of. And main, the reason for it mainly is because, um, I don't know about y'all, but I, I like a paragraph-style Bible, you know, where it doesn't have double columns on each page. And um, this one, Anna actually had put a leather cover on for me. It came with, a, I think, a bonded leather cover from, where were we, in Tennessee or somewhere? And it was like some thrift store. Uh, but I was like, whoa, you know, here's a Bible in paragraph form. I love those. Um, but Colossians 2, verse number 12. So mine would be confiscated. Uh, Colossians 2, verse 12. <laughs> I think that's, okay, I'm in 1 verse 12. I was like, what? that's not the right passage. Okay, Colossians 2, 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith and operation of God. Isn't that a marvelous verse of Scripture? We're, we're risen with him, risen with Christ. I mean, this was, this, was, this was a command that he received from it. I lay down my life, the Lord says, but I have the power to take it up. Again, it's a command I received, you know, from my father. So here we are, risen with him, 
through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Uh, you know, we have hope in Christ, don't we? Uh, we have great hope in Christ. I mean, you think about the picture that we have back here, you know, in that, but also the hope that is to come that, you know, we close our eyes here. And Brother Wiseman is still not with us. Um, I don't know if you've talked to him, you know, recently, but, but he had a surgery coming up. And I've, I know I've mentioned this before, but he had a surgery coming up at one point. And he was really concerned about it. And he's like, you know, I'm, I may not come out of this. And I said, brother, if you don't, I said, you'll close your eyes. You know, when, and I've had those anesthesiologists get right in my face and say, count backwards from 10. You know, and I never make it past, you know, nine. And Teresa's like, you don't, you don't make it past nine when you lay down without anesthetics. <laughs> She was talking to me yesterday, and she says, you probably started falling asleep before I even finished my sentence, you know. Um, I didn't say anything, but yeah, I, <laughs> I had. But, you know, I said, you'll, you'll, you'll fall asleep, you know, and, and you'll open your eyes. And the first, you know, next thing, you're going to be in heaven. You're going to be with the Lord in paradise. And for to be absent from the body is to be present. We have this hope uh, for me to live as Christ, right, and to die as gain. You know, that's, you know, I, I have a, um, a hospital that, that I've used a lot, you know, and there's, there's um, you have to have a password and, you know, a username, you know, to be able to access, you know, the records whenever they do the tests and things, right? Um, so I'm sitting there thinking, you know, um, well, what kind of username am I going to use? Like, I, to die is gain. So if, if any of those hospital staff get to see any of that kind of stuff, I don't know. I'm like, this guy's weird, you know, to die is gain. Uh, but we have this hope, you know, in Christ. So we're, we're baptized into Christ, into his death, uh, and his resurrection from the dead. Um, you know, once we, we lived under the wages of sin is death. Um, once that's all the outlook that we had, that was the only outcome that there could be apart from Christ. But now, in Christ... For me to live as Christ and to die is gain. How many people can say that to die is gain? Um, you know, most of the people we run into, Dad saw somebody at the, at the lumber yard. I was with him this week, and he was talking to the guy, and, you know, how you doing? A lot of people, you know, like, well, I'm on top of the ground. You know, why, why do they say things like that? You know, I, I think a lot of them, I, mean, I don't know about him. I don't know his heart. I don't know, you know, him really, you know, but, but um, you know, he may just be repeating something he's heard people say. Um, but as, as a Christian, you know, I mean, the only purpose for me being on this side of the ground, you know, is to, to, to do all that I do to the glory of God. Uh, but in the end, you know, because they'll say it's better than being six feet under, you know, yeah, to die is gain. Uh, you know, Paul, far better for me to depart and be with the Lord, but more profitable for you, he said, for me to, to stay and to remain, you know, here. Um, Christ died for us. We died with him, and he's raised again, and we're raised again, you know, with him. He's caused us to be born again, uh, to be born anew. You know, once the, the bent of our souls, what was it towards? It was towards sin, wasn't it? You know, I've used that illustration before where I've told you that Teresa from time to time has had, you know, some sort of a potted plant maybe that sat in the windowsill there in, in, in the kitchen. And I would, I, would, I would observe that plant, and, you know, it's, it, it would always would bend, you know, towards the light, won't it? And so, I don't know if this is mean, but I would, <laughs> I would turn it. It's kind of a, I guess, more of an experiment in a sense, you know. Okay, 
Let's see if you'll bend back, you know, towards the light. Once I turn you around the other way, and sure enough, it bends back toward the light. You know, once our lives were bent towards sin, you know, now our lives are bent towards Christ. They're bent towards the Lord. They're bent towards God. They're bent towards righteousness. Uh, And it's all because of this newness of life that we have uh, in, been given in him. You know, we were shriveled up and dead. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but no more. You know, now we're alive in Christ. Uh, God causing us to be born again under this living hope that we were talking about. Um, It's certainly more than just, you know, being dunked in the water. It's certainly more than just, you know, doing what everybody else is doing and and, and taking, you know, the the, the elements that are there at the communion table. Um, We we have a living hope uh, that, that stirs us. We have a living hope that causes us to be more than just a hearer of the word, but to be a doer you know, of the word also. Um, you know, Peter says concerning our new birth, he says, you are begotten, you know, by God. Um, you know, we've been born again. We've been born anew, begotten by God. You know, I, I told Anna last night, I said, you have a heavenly father. You know, you, I'm your earthly father, you know, but now you have a heavenly father. And I said, you know, he's a better father than I am. You know, and she looks at me, you know, because, you know, in, in one sense, you know, I mean, uh, I don't I don't come home and, and beat up my wife. I don't go out and stay at shenanigans till you mentioned shenanigans till 2 o'clock in the morning. I, you know, but I told her, I said, I'm not perfect. And she understands that. She knows that. I said, am I perfect? And she said, no. You know, she's, she's seen some of my imperfection. And we talked about that, too. I said, she gets to see it up close. You know, she gets to see my warts closer than you guys do. Uh, you know, y'all see me, you know, occasionally in certain settings, but, you know, she sees me in, you know, all the time, you know, she's there. Um, and so we talked about the fact that, you know, we've been redeemed, but this flesh we still have to contend with, you know, can I say wrong things to people? Can I do wrong things? Can I sin? Sure. You know, if we say we're without sin, you know, you know we're, we're not being honest, are we? Uh, because we're not, you know, we're, we're, I told her, I said, you know, you're going to fight, you know, the fight's begun, you know, now, you know, you've got to fight the rest of your life, you know, against sin, against Satan, you know, he's going to come at you and he's going to, he's going to try his best to, to put something over the light that you're called to be. He's, he's going to be, be, he's going to do his best to, to cause the salt to lose its savor. You know, and if it loses saber, what good is it to be thrown, you know, out in the street and be trampled underfoot by men? Um, so, you know, the fight has begun. And, you know, Brother Woodruff in his, in his 80s, a good friend of mine, um, you know, he, he said, don't you think that when you get to be my age, you know, I don't know, Brother John, I'm, I'm sure it's still a, is it still a fight? Yeah, absolutely it is. He said, don't you think when you get to be my age, you know, that's, that's what the world tends to want us to think, right? You know, it's the golden years, you know, you're going to retire one day, and you're going to have your 401k, and you have all these things, and you're going to be able to go and do whatever. Um, yeah, it makes me think of a message I heard John Piper preach one time where he's talking about people, you know, that are retired and they're picking up, you know, seashells, you know, and they've got this collection of seashells. And that's what they have, you know, in a sense, you know, that's what they have to show for, you know, their retirement in one sense. And then he talked about these two nurses that had gone into the mission field after they retired. And, and they, they went off a cliff in a jeep and, and, and they died, you know. And, you know, 
his comparison was, you know, here we come before the Lord, and here's these people that have these seashells. Look, Lord, here's these seashells that I have. And you've got these other two women that had given, the, you know, their, their very substance, their very lives, you know, the cause of Christ. You know, and this is what, you know, Lord, here was, here was my life. You gave it to me. This is what I did with it. You know, so you have that, that kind of comparison there. So we've, we've, we've talked about, you know, I've, I've, I've given her a summation of, you know, in a sense of everything that I've learned. I said, I said, you get to be the beneficiary of me having grown. How many years ago were you baptized, Rebecca? Ten, ten years ago or so. I told, I told Anna, I said, you have the benefit of a dad that has grown, you know, in his understanding, that has grown in his faith, you know, that 10 years from the, from the time that your older sister, you know, was baptized. So, you know, I, I, I gave her a jet tour through a lot of different things, you know, just trying to help her to understand, you know, what's, what's coming, you know, what, what this looks like, um, uh, so that she can, you know, be warned, you know, that she can, she can be on guard, you know, and talking about the fact that, I mean, the, the, the glorious reality, the fact that God now resides, you know, within you, that is just, isn't that mind-boggling? That, that the God of the universe, you know, I went back and we, we were sitting at a Mexican food restaurant when we, after we picked up Rebecca from the airport, and, and we were talking about Isaiah 40. And, and God says there, have you not known? Have you not heard? You know, he talks about being the creator of, of the ends of the universe and goes and all, and I said, that same God who is, is bigger than the expanse of all things and, and, and fills all things resides within you. Um, so what a, what a glorious reality, this, this hope, this fullness of life, this living hope, this hope of immortality uh, that has, has been given you know, unto us in Christ. This, to quote a hymn, this joy unspeakable and, and full you know, of glory. And, and the hymn, what else does it say? Oh, the half has never yet been told. You know, we have the earnest of our inheritance. Oh, the half of it, you know, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither entered in the heart. You know, Paul goes up in the third heaven, and he, he comes back, he says, I, I can't even tell you, you know, what I saw. There's no reference point, you know, for you to understand. Uh, you, 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 you would have had to have been there, you know, sort of a thing uh, that he says unto them. Um, but he has caused us to be born again and not we ourselves. That gives me hope. Doesn't it give you hope? He has caused us to be born again and not we ourselves. That gives me hope. He's begun a good work. Guess what? He's going to complete it. He's the author. He's the finisher. Uh, he's begun that good work and he's going, he's going to bring it to its, its completion. I told Anna, I said, when? Because it's not, it's not if, is it? I mean, we're, we're, going to, we're going to sin. We're going to, I said, when you stray from the path, as a father, he is going to chasten you and bring you back to where you ought to be. Um, again, I'm sorry. I love the book. You know, it's, 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 uh, it, it's, it's my favorite. Besides the scripture, it's my favorite book. But, but you, know, you know Christian, you know, he, here's this hard road that he's on. And what does he do? He steps over the fence and it's this nice, you know, lush meadow. And it's running right alongside the path, but little by little. You know, it veered off, and where does he end up? He ends up in Doubting Castle, you know, under, you know, as a prisoner of, of giant despair um, until he remembers that he has what? Anybody? What does he have in his pocket? Hmm? 
key of promise. And, and I, I remember that so vividly, you know, reading that and, and hearing it in audiobook form, you know, Christians putting that, that key, you know, into the lock that, 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 that held him in, you know, and, and um, you know, faithful says, and, and it's, it's, it's rusty, you know, the key of promise hadn't been brought against it, you know, in a long time, and, and the lock is rusty, and Christian begins to put his whole weight upon it, and faithful says, brother, aren't you concerned that the key might break with all that weight? I know this is God's promise. It's not going to break under the weight of us leaning upon him and looking unto him. The key's not going to break and the lock, you know, gives way. Um, and they, they escape. But um, we have this hope and it's a steadfast hope and it's a sure hope uh, that we've been given. Um, we were des- dead in trespasses and sins, but he's quickened us and he's breathed new life into us. He's, he said unto us, here we were dead in trespasses and sins. And he came and he breathed upon us and he says, Live, live, regenerating us by his power. First Peter one you you've been born again, not of corruptible seed, which is perishable, but of incorruptible seed that is imperishable by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You know, it's kind of like that key of promise, you know, and all the weight being put upon, it's not going to break. Uh, it's, it's incorruptible. It, it, it's, it's, it, 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 it's not going to, it can't be broken, you know. Uh, what's going to separate us from the love of God, you know, at the end of Romans 8? Nothing, you know. Can all of our weight be leaned there? Yes. Uh, you know, nothing could separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ. It's a living and it's an abiding hope, and it, and it lasts eternally. It's an eternal hope. Second uh, Peter 1.4 says we have been made partakers. I mean, think about this. Turn over there with me. I, I know I'm, I kind of run through these things sometimes, and I don't give you time to turn to the passage. But you know, this may be one that you turn to and read, Second Peter 1.4, that you turn to and read, and it may, it may be something that carries you throughout the rest of the day as you think upon it, meditate upon it. Second Peter 1.4 says, We have been made partakers of something. Somebody tell me, what have we been made partakers of? You think about that. We are made partakers of the very nature. What is God? He's holy. Uh, we've been made partakers. Be holy as I am holy. Made partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, we, we, we would ask people, have you escaped? You think about questions. You know, you, you ask that person in that surgery, you know, do you have any questions? You know. And you, here's, here's one that you could ask people. Have you escaped? Escaped what? I mean, there's an opportunity to be able to, you know, have you escaped the wrath of God? Flee from the wrath of God. Um, I've told you before, I, I was watching this interview that this television reporter was conducting with Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he was talking about the times, you know, and, and we could talk about the times. Uh, he was asking, he said, do you have anything to say, you know, unto people? you know, that, that, are, that are living in this modern age. He says, flee from the wrath of God. And they go on, they go on, you know, 10 or 15 more minutes, and they're talking about different things. And he says, do you have anything to say to these people? Flee from the wrath of God. It was like five or six times this reporter kept asking this question, and Martin Lloyd-Jones gives the same response every time, you know, to the world around him, to a world of sinners that are perishing. He says, flee from the wrath of God. Um, flee to Christ. So, uh, have you escaped? Is this living hope within you? 
John, First John chapter 3 and verse 3, you, you know this passage, every man that hath this hope, this hope that we've been talking about, every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he, that is God, is pure. We've been made partakers of the divine nature. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. You know, does that describe you? Does that describe me? Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. You know, this is, this is true of those that have this hope. Um, you know, this kind of lively hope. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, to, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Um, you know, I've mentioned this to you before, uh, I believe, but you remember Bob Jennings um, and him going out there into, you know, he had, he had pancreatic cancer. And most people, when they, you hear they have that, they say the doctor says it's a death sentence. You know, there's nothing really that we're going to be able to do. They can try to make, you know, they can try to do some things. I don't know, maybe a little different today. But in, in Brother Bob's day, you know, it was a lot of people were coming up to him. And they were saying, Brother, I prayed for you. I, I know the Lord's going to heal you. And he says, well, I thank you, you know, for your prayers. And, and, and I thank you for the hope that you have, you know, that God would do that. But that may not be, you know, the case. Uh, and he progressively got worse and worse. He would go. He would go to. He was the pastor of the of the of the church there in Missouri, and he would go and he would lay, you know, on the front pew and 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 listen to uh, one of the, the the younger preachers who you know is now pastoring you know the church. Um, but you know he would be able to eat like only bananas. Uh, you know, would be something that would digest you know for him. Uh, but as it got towards the end, you know, of his earthly stay, he. He uh, went out to, into his garage, and he gathered wood, he and his sons, and they built this coffin together. And after they had built it, you know, they, 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 they swept up all the shavings, and, and they prayed, and they sang, you know, a hymn together. But on top of that coffin, it said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Um, so that's been swallowed up, hasn't it? You know, this, this life that we have in Christ, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, you know, and, and, and all of these things that we're talking about, you know, the, the new life that we have in Christ, you know, ha- having been dead in trespasses and sins and, and, and now being raised to a, you know, being born again and raised to a newness, you know, a newness of life, being a new creature, you know, in, 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 in Christ, you know, all of these things, this, this picture's you know, these things, this thing of, of baptism, um, this thing that we're, we're going to see a picture, you know, of today. Um, you know, biblical hope is not crossing one's fingers and saying, you know, I, well, hope everything turns out okay, you know, when I die. You know, hope I, hope I you know, go to a better place. Um, you know, that we have a better hope than that, don't we? We have a greater hope, you know, than that. Our hope's more certain than that. It's sure, you know, than that. Um, you know, Peter talks about being elect according to the foreknowledge of God. You know, and that foreknowledge is not looking through time and seeing who may choose him. Well, God looked through time and he saw these people that would choose him. No, God looked through time saw those that he would choose himself. Um, and that, that's, 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 that's difficult for us to completely comprehend. I mean, you start thinking about the concept of eternity itself. It's difficult. We're creatures of time. It's difficult for us to, you know, comprehend. But elect according to the full knowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, You know, life without Christ, that's a pretty hopeless end, isn't it? 
Uh, but having life in Christ is an endless hope. You know, that's what we have. We have an endless hope, you know, in Christ. Um, you know, one day, you know, to call it what Bunyan called it, one day you know, we, we have a hope that is sure. We know that one day we are going to step our foot inside the celestial city. You know, inside heaven's gates itself. We are going to occupy that place ourselves. It, it makes me think about Canaan, you know, them crossing over the Jordan, you know, into Canaan. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, a lot of people put Canaan as heaven itself. Mm, I don't see Canaan as heaven. There were giants. You know, they still had to fight, you know, in Canaan. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's the fight that you've begun, you know, crossing over Jordan, Anna, you know, into Canaan. You know, that's the fight that you've begun. And I think about Joshua and Caleb, especially Caleb. You know, there was a mountain in particular that the sons of Anak, you know, still occupied. Um, you know, they had been vanquished most every other place. But, but Caleb said to Joshua, give me that mountain. You know, he, he, wanted, he wanted to take that mountain where those giants were. And there's, there's going to be some giants. There have been some giants. There will be some giants, you know, in our lives that we're going to have to face. And we'll step out on the battlefield just like David. And, and Goliath's going to be cursing us by his gods. And David's going to say, you know, I stand before you, you know, in the strength of the Lord. You know, I stand before you being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, you come against me with, with all of those things. I come against you in the name of the living God. Um, you know, all these mighty men of Israel, you know, were, were, were stepping back and David steps forward, you know, and Saul wants to put his armor upon him. And David's like, I can't wear this. You know, what, what, what do you know about Saul? You know, he, he stood head and shoulders above everybody else, right? You know, Saul's armor would have probably been a little big, you know, for David. You know, I don't necessarily see David as some, you know, uh, little bitty, you know, miniature, you know, person. He was just probably an average you know, guy, you know, maybe a little smaller. Uh, but, um, you know, he wasn't going to be able to go out there in Saul's armor. He was going to go out there with the things that, that the Lord had used in his life before. He took a sling. He took a staff. You know, and, and here's Goliath saying, you're coming against me with sticks and stones. You know, I mean, look at me. Look at, look at how massive I am. You know, look at me. Look at my spear. It's like a weaver's beam. You know, look at my stature. You prob- he probably came to his waist or something, you know. Uh, you come against me with sticks and stones? No, no. Those are in my hand, but I come against you in the name of the living God. Um, so, you know, there's, there's giants in this land. There won't be giants in that land, but we'll step foot, you know, in that place. Um, one day, um, you know, Timothy, uh, Paul says to him, says to him in, in 1 Timothy 1.1, 1, 1, he, says, he says, Christ Jesus, who is our hope. That's what, you know, we're, we're, that's what we're saying. Christ is, you know, our hope. Uh, yeah. Who can rejoice in this salvation unless they understand it? You know, who can rejoice in these things unless they know them? Who can rejoice in these things unless they understand them and had them made, you know, clear unto them and, and, and known unto them? Who can, un- who can rejoice in these things unless they felt the need of it, of salvation? Um, you know, saved from the guilt of sin, saved from the condemnation of sin, saved from the dominion of sin, saved from the power of death, the power of the grave, uh, saved from everlasting fire, you know, who can rejoice in these things unless they understand something, you know, of it? No wonder the psalmist says in Psalm 914, I will rejoice in your salvation. I will rejoice in your salvation. So, 
Um, yeah, at the Lord's table, we show forth the, His death until He come here in baptism. It's a, it's a, a one-time exercise in obedience, but we still have this reality of being crucified with Christ and being raised to walk you know, in newness uh, of life. And that is an ongoing experience, isn't it? Uh, the baptism itself may be a one-time experience, but this, this walk in newness of life that it represents is an ongoing uh, experience. So in baptism, we profess our faith in Christ, uh, our identity in Christ being united you know, unto Him. We publicly, in a sense, put on Christ, um, consecrate ourselves you know, to Christ. We openly surrender ourselves you know, to Him, to be used by Him to be employed, you know, by him, whatever the Lord have me to do. You know, Ann and I had a discussion about uh, something recently, and, um, you know, I'm like, you pray about it and see what the Lord would have you to do. And I said, I shut you up to that for the rest of your life in seeking God's will and seeking to know what the Lord would have you to do and seeking to follow after him and to please him in all that you do. I now shut you up, you know, under that. I'm still here as your dad. If you want to come and ask me a question, I'm glad to talk to you about it. But I may not always be here. I shut you up unto him. Look unto him. Uh, That's the hope that we have. Um, Does he hear us? Sure. We heard a lot about prayer, you know, last week. Uh, So, you know, someone once said this, a sermon in shoes is more eloquent than a sermon in words. You know, well, in a sense, we've got a sermon in shoes this morning, you know, because we're going to, you know, have a, a, a baptism here in just a little while. It's a sermon in shoes, in a sense. Um, but it's a lifelong journey. You think about the word salvation. I mean, that's depicting everything from start, you know, to finish. Uh, when we think about this idea, you know, of salvation, it's that which the Lord's begun is going to complete. But we're baptized into Christ. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in, or into, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the same phrase is found in 1 Corinthians 1.13. Um, but here's something else we're baptized into. So we talk about being baptized into Christ. We're also baptized into the body. You know, we've become a part of the church. Not just because we've been baptized, but that's, that, there's a picture of that you know, there for us. We're baptized into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. How appropriate. We've been talking about these gifts and the body, you know, uh, whether we be Jews or Gentiles. Um, same thing said in Galatians three twenty seven and Colossians 2, 12. Um, so what's the primary meaning of baptism? It's not cleansing because we don't believe in baptismal regeneration. What is it? It's being identified with Christ. It's our union, you know, with Christ. That's what we see. So, you know, just just some thoughts um, in regards to being baptized into Christ and being baptized into His church. It's not something that you think about the baptism itself. It's not something we do ourselves. You know, Anna's not going to get in there and baptize herself. You know, there's there's an element of the body of Christ that's there. You know, it's not something that we do for ourselves, just like our new birth. It's not something that we did, you know, for ourselves, something that God's done, you know, to us, for us, in us. Um, God's calls us to be born again by and through, you know, the, the Spirit. So have we been washed? Yeah, by the water of His Word, we've been washed. Um, but, um, you know, baptism is, is for a person who knows. Baptism is for a, 
for a person who's aware. Uh, baptism's for a person who knows what's happening. You remember the Ethiopian eunuch? He says, after Philip had been preaching to him, he says, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Nothing. If you believe, you know. So that's evident in the case of the Ethiopian eunuch. But I'll end where I began. What does water baptism say? It's a confession of faith in Christ. That's what it is. A confession of faith in Christ. Um, a testimony, we could say, of repentance. It's a, it's a confession of faith in Christ and a testimony of repentance. It's a symbolic burial of a criminal. <laughs> you know, I was once uh, at enmity with God. Um, it's, it's the burial of a criminal who's been judged and executed in the resurrection of a new creature who bears no resemblance to the buried one. Uh, there's been a complete change. It's newness of life in Christ. So um, give us a few minutes. We're going to go back here and, and um, change. I think um, if you want to get up and get a drink or you know whatever, I've asked Lydia to kind of play some hymns. Not that we're necessarily going to sing, but she's going to play some hymns um, in the interim there. Uh, but um, give us give us just a few minutes, and we'll get back there and get changed. And were you going to say something, sister? Oh, okay, okay, all right. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I thought you were wanting to say something. Okay, I'm going to try not to drop this in the water. <laughs>